2 Corinthians chapter 5, 15 through 21. A great passage of scripture. Part of that is partly the most well-known, one of the well-known verses in the Bible. Paul, writing to the Corinthian church, says this, And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was willing, the world to, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making this appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's a lot in that passage, and I'm not going to try to cover it all because our minds couldn't take it all. But I just want to give you a couple points. Number one, a couple things here. Christians are those whose sin is forgiven. How's that done? How does Christ do that? He does that by an atoning death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. The atonement is what God allowed his son to do for us. We could not and cannot save ourselves. But because of what Christ has done, when he came from heaven to earth, lived a sinless life, suffered, bled, died on a cross, buried in a borrowed tomb, and on the third day, got up with all power of heaven and earth. That brought us, that reconciled us back to God. Every person without Christ, every person without Jesus, every person that knows nothing about God is an enemy of God. And the supernatural, you hear me saying this a lot, the miraculous part of it all is God sent his son to die for sinners such as you and I. I said it this morning Sunday school, we like to talk about that verse, for God so loved the world that he gave. Just Close your eyes and imagine that kind of love that God had for us, that God sent the best that he had in the person of his son to die for us. Now, I don't know. I only know me. And I know how messed up I am. But I would venture to say that if you were honest with yourself, if you were to stand before the mirror of God and the word of God, you would say to yourself, like I say to myself, <laughs> oh, yes, I'm messed up. And why would God love me? Because God sees in me what I don't even see in myself. That's the miracle. 
of the new birth. What did he have to tell Nicodemus? Wait a minute. We ain't talking about being born a second time physically. How can I go? Can I go back into my mother's womb? That's the point. No, 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 Nicodemus. You can't go back into your mother's womb at age 58. My mother would have a coronary. Amen? No. He's talking about a spiritual rebirth. It amazes me when I read the Bible and I think of Nicodemus, I think of uh, the woman at the well. I think they, and I think of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and different people in the Bible. I get amazed how they miss the whole point of what Jesus was saying. So it's not a mystery to me that every Sunday that I stand and declare the word of God, it's not hard for me not to get the point that many times things are said and people miss the whole entire point of the passage or the message. They did it to Jesus, and if they did it to him, what makes any man of God that stands and declares, or any teacher that teaches, what makes us think they ain't going to miss it with us? Sin, the atoning death and resurrection. That's, that's the, one of the great doctrines of the churches about the, the atonement of Christ. What makes our forgiveness supernatural? Apart from the miraculous, it is impossible to enter because what we have here is the whole doctrine of sin. What is the doctrine of sin? What does that, what does that mean? What is, what is doctrine? I mean, no, you mean there's a doctrine of sin? Well, yes. Here's what it is. Man's voluntary rebellion against a good and holy God. Got that? Man's, mankind, all of us, male, female, Red, yellow, black, and white, the whole world. Man's voluntary rebellion against a good and holy God. We rebel against God. Voluntarily. You don't have to teach sin. We already got it. That cute little bundle of joy is a sinner. Don't have to teach it. It's born in sin and shapen in iniquity. And you see it coming out when that little bundle of joy Start screaming and hollering because that bundle of joy did not get what it wants at a certain point in time. It says to itself, self, I want to eat and I don't see a bottle or nursing. Therefore, I'm going to cry and scream and holler until I get what I want. Some of us are no different. And that newborn baby, because many of us, when we don't get our way, we throw a fit at whatever age, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, whatever you are. Help us, Sister Tammy says. He has been offended, his perfect justice, and provoked his just wrath is against us. Somebody says, well, pastor, wait a minute, help me understand something. What sets the standard? God sets the standard. His justice, the very nature of who God is. Now, I wrote this, I got this out of the New Hampshire Confession, states this. By nature, we are utterly void of that holiness required by the law of God. Okay, got it? By nature, that's who we are. We have, we're utterly void of that holiness required by the law of God. Positively, we are inclined to evil. We're inclined to do bad things. 
So when things happen in the world, it should not shock us as to what people are doing, especially in this day and age, because it's getting worse and worse. We're inclined to do evil and therefore under just condemnation to eternal ruin without defense or excuse. What does that mean? Because we are inclined to do evil, we're under the just condemnation of God. God's justice says you're a sinner. His holiness says because I, you are holy, I am holy, guess what? There's no other alternative but to condemn you and I for what we do voluntarily against God. Because that's our nature. We're inclined to do bad things. Somebody says, I'm not that bad, Pastor. Well, the fact that you would even say you're not that bad tells me that we are that bad. Oh, you don't have to murder somebody with a gun or a knife. But maybe you like to run your tongue. See, we talked about that in Sunday school this morning about how Jesus came not just to fulfill the law, but he also intensified the law. Oh, there was a time that you could stab, murder, shoot, whatever, strangle. Oh, yeah. But Jesus said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can also murder somebody by what comes out of your mouth. By a look. By an attitude. Oh, that's even far worse. Do you realize how many people walk around, around us that are wounded because of something somebody said? Something somebody did? I mean, some people are going back to their childhood. They may be 40, 50, 60 years old, but they are stuck back when something happened to them when they were growing up as a teenager or in their 20s, and they have not yet been able to give it over to Jesus and say, guess what? I can't hold on. That's my crutch. That's my excuse for not doing whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing. Pastor, you just don't understand. Listen, I do understand that in God we can overcome. We become overcomers. I get tickled because people like to tell me that, you know, Pastor, I, you know, we talked about that last week. We're going to bring it up next week. How do you I cannot say that we love God whom we have not seen? How can we not love our fellow brother who we see every day and yet say we love God who we have not seen? doesn't go together. But I have people like, you know, I really don't like people. I really don't like to hang around church because people's minds are messed up and they just bug me and I just, I just get out. That's not good. When we talk about a community given by God, we got to be willing to accept each other for where we are. And what we're really talking about today is about forgiveness. We got to be able to, number one, accept the forgiveness that God's given to us. And if God has forgiven us, we have a responsibility to be able to forgive one another. Now, know this for sure. Offenses will always happen. Always. You can't live in this world and not be offended. There's no way. And some of it is Normally people do it, and some of it, people, don't even, people are walking around holding stuff against you or I, and we don't even know we did it. Walk by, hey, see, Pastor, he, he always talks to certain people. He never talks. Well, you know what? Some of the people I can't, uh, that you want me to talk to, I can't talk to you because you're the first one out the door. I can't, I mean, you're going this way, you're going that way. And, you know, people come up, they say, hey, Pastor, and, and you know, what does the Bible say? If you want to have friends, show yourself friendly. And maybe the reason why some of us don't have friends, 
Because we're not showing ourselves friendly. Now, let's just be honest. Do you want to be around a pig pen? Charles, you know, the Schultz character. That everywhere you walk, there's a cloud following you. A cloud of dirt and dust. Sun can be shining brightly. The birds are chirping. The weather is warm. It's a great day to be alive. And you ask some people, how are you doing? Terrible. Man, I got so many problems. There's enough negativity around that I don't like to be around a whole lot of negativity. If every time I meet you, you have nothing good to say, you're wearing me out. You're bringing my spirit down. I could come in like, yes! I don't know what he's so excited about. Oh, okay, so it's not that good. You know, I got problems. We all got problems! That's how you handle them. Trust Jesus. Trust the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, say, I got a problem. We don't want to do all that. We want to just suffer along. No. Let's understand that he says that we are inclined to do evil. Man's problem in ours is one big thing, sin. That's our problem. It's not that your mother didn't love you when you were a teenager. It's not that you married the wrong person. It's not all the excuses that we come in. The bottom line of it all is we have sinned. What is sin? Somebody simply says sin is selfishness in nature. It's what us wanting to do our own thing. It's us wanting to be God. God, I don't need, I understand what you said, but I don't need you in this situation. I'm going to solve this myself. And Sister Tammy said earlier, how's that working for you? Some of us, to be honest, we've been trying that for a long time, and it's not working. It's gotten worse instead of better. Salvation of ourselves is not. We, we as man could never conceive of what Christ is going to do to bring salvation to us. It's not even conceivable in our minds. Look what God did. God took messed up people and sent the best that he had to save you and I. We wouldn't come up with that. We would try to figure a way how to work for it. Well, if I come to church every Sunday... Uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it. If I give more money, I'm going to get it. If I do this, if I'm a preacher, if I'm a teacher, if I'm this, I'm that, I will get No! That's in our own mind. What God did was beyond man's comprehension. It's inconceivable. Our imagination isn't that great anyway. That God, who Jesus, who's God himself, would die for us? What did Jesus say? Look, let's be honest. Some of us, we, we don't want to die. We would die scarcely for a righteous person. You're doing good if your husband lays his life on the line. I love my wife. I hope that if push comes to shove and her life is in danger, my love would be that I would sacrifice myself for her. Sharon, I hope that. I can't tell her standing here in the pulpit before you, God, and witnesses that I will do that no matter I cannot say that. Because in the pinch of an hour, at the moment I might have to push her out of the way that I might take on, like the guy, the, young, the, the elderly man down since then, took on a bus and got killed. I don't I, I might have a flash. Bus! You know? It's like the old days when guys would have babies and they always show the poor wife had her little bag, you know, 
honey, I think it's time. He'd rush out the door, get in the car, happy, halfway to the hospital. And for you realize, he forgot the most important person that should have been in the car, his wife. I can't say I would do that, but God did that for us. Isn't that great love? We have transgressed against the justice of an infinite, good, and holy God. We messed it up. We broke his law. That's what we did. That's what we did. We didn't do all that because why? We want to be God. That's what we want. We, we, we understand we may need God, but we want to be our own God. God, I, I understand this is what I'm supposed to do, but you don't know my children. You don't know my God, you, know, you don't know my husband. God, you don't know my relatives. God, you don't know my church. No, 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 God does know. God knows. He knows more than we think he does. If God were to overlook our sin, he ceases to be good. If God says, you know what, it's all right. I'm just going to overlook what they're doing. He ceases to be good and he goes against who he is. Because God, by, in his nature, is holy, righteous. And he's always, in our vernacular, he's always fair. See, if Sister Sigrid, a couple weeks ago, had went out and bought her a ticket to that multi-billion dollar lottery, and she's looking at me like, mm, <laughs> go ahead, Pastor, tell me more. If she had won, most of us would say to ourselves, self, that ain't fair. By whose standard? Ours. See, that's what we base fairness on. Somebody else gets blessed and we are not blessed. We go, that's not fair. Why do they get to be blessed like that? And I didn't get to be blessed. Well, it's not, God doesn't operate on fairness. God operates on rightness and justice. Everything God has done, is doing, and whatever do will always be right. If somebody gets to heaven, it's the right thing because God decides rightly. If you don't get to heaven, it's not because of fairness or rightness. That's all on God. God will determine whether you get there or not. And be honest, there will be a lot of people who will not be in heaven. You have opportunity today, tomorrow. As long as you have breath, somebody presents to you the gospel, that's the opportunity. Harden not your heart as in the day of provocation, which means as you have opportunity to come to God, do it. Because why? Tomorrow is not promised. I don't believe in God. Fine. You know what? Don't believe. But as I understand my Bible, there's going to be a day coming where he says, whether you believe or not, Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord. I don't care if people tell me, I don't believe. God, they don't bother me. I tell them, all right, fine, don't believe. But in the end, when you have lived your life the way you want it to, it becomes a shambles and a wreck. And when Christ comes back for people, guess what? He's going to look at you and say, you know what? I don't know you. Why? Because he's God, 
And what he says is right. God can't overlook our sin because he's good. If he judges us, we are condemned to hell. You don't want God to give us what we really deserve. We don't want God to do that. I don't. I don't want God to say, okay, this is what you, hey, this is what you deserve. No, no, give me your grace and your mercy. Please, give me the grace and mercy. I know I'm not hitting all cylinders. I know whatever. I don't want you to give me what I deserve. Give me what you have already provided for me. The moment, the, the atonement provides a way for God to be both just and the one who justifies sinners. That's a great thing. I wrote that down because I thought the atonement, the sacrifice that Christ did for us, provides a way for God to be both just, maintain who he is by his justice, but also the one who justifies. In other words, it's like we would like to say, he is both judge, jury, and executioner. Only God can pull that off. His justice, he is, because of who he is, he provides a way to be just, to be right before him. And he's the way, how do we get there? Because he is the one who justifies. That's, that's a miracle. The furry person that could condemn us is the very person that gives us justice. And he justifies us. He says, and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him, for their sake, died and was raised. We ought to live, not for ourselves, but for him, who for our sake died and was raised. Don't know what more to say. He says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Here it is, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. You're made new if you're in Christ. What does that mean? The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. You see life from a whole different perspective. It's no longer what you think, what you feel, how you know. It's all about what God says. I hate so-and-so. Can't say that. I don't like. I wish. Can't say all that. Why? You're new. And it's not, I read this this morning. It's not about we get saved and then we grow into, we get saved and we already have it. See, there's a difference. Most of us say, okay, Pastor, I get it. But we, we Pastor, we, 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 it takes time for us to grow, to be committed. Da, da, da. Mm, that's not what the Bible teaches. Luke 7, what we read last week, the woman, she came to Jesus not to get a pardon. She came back to Jesus because what? She was already pardoned. And when she realized what Christ had done for her because of her great sins, she had no other choice but go back and say, thank you for what you have done for me. She didn't come back to say, I need forgiveness. She'd already been forgiven. And the proof of that was she came back crying, wiping the tears off of Jesus' feet with her hair and anointing his feet with oil because Jesus did the parable about the two people that were forgiven a debt. So which one are you? Has Christ forgiven you a little debt or a great debt? Did, 
by the amount of forgiveness that we have in Christ. If we've been forgiven a great debt and forgiveness, then we'll be able to serve God greatly. But if we don't think of that, then we get what we get, very little. He says it's new. All that is from God. That's all God. Who through Christ reconciled, Christ reconciled, Christ. man, God, big gulf. Couldn't come across, but Jesus bridged the gap so that now we have access to him. Reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trip. God does not count my trespasses against us and trusting us with a message. of re- He's given to us, the church, the message of what? Reconciliation, being right before God. That's our message. People who are looking for an answer to their life problem, guess what? Here it is. You can be reconciled back to God. And if you're reconciled back to God, then you can be reconciled with your fellow man. The blessing is there for the taking. That's our message, being reconciled back to God. He said that is Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors. It's not the ambassador's message that he gives. The ambassador gives the message that represents the United States of America by the president of the United States. Anybody that's an ambassador doesn't go over to a country and say, this is my message. He will get fired. They will call him back to Washington, D.C., have him before the president, say, who gave gave you the right to say what you want to say? You don't have that right. I sent you to whatever country they sent you to to represent me and the United States of America. Your message is my message. And if you can't do it, you're fired. Get out. That's us. It's not my message. It's not your message. It's the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we cannot give that message, then we have no right to stand before a holy and just God. He ain't asking you what you think and what you feel and you don't think. He He just simply tells us, tell tell what thus saith the Lord. Now, how do you do that? You got to be taught the right thing. Because a lot of people are thinking some things and they ain't right. And before you go tripping up somebody else, you got to make sure your message is right. You got to come and learn and be taught what the message is so that we can go out and give the right message. Girl, it don't make no difference if you come to Jesus or not. Come to Jesus any way you want him. No. Mm-mm. You got to fall before a holy and just God and say, I'm a sinner and I need Christ in my life. I know I'm messed up. I, 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 I've done Contrary to God, and I want him to be Lord and Savior of my life. I want to be changed. I want to be made new. We implore, we beg of you in Christ, in behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I love when Paul talks about Paul said, I'm begging you. I'm pleading. I'm imploring. Get right with God. What do I, what, what is it I have to do to get you to understand? You need to be right with God. For our sake, he made him to be sin. This is it. He, God, made Christ to be sin for us. Made him to be sin who knew no sin. He knew no sin. Jesus was perfect. But he took upon the sin of my sin and your sin upon himself. 
so that in him, Christ, we would become the righteousness of God. If you highlight that, circle that, memorize that, he who knew no sin, for our sake, for Byron McGee's sake, he made him, God made him to be sin who knew no sin. Why? So that in Christ we might become the full righteousness of God. That I have everything, the righteous holiness of God, I have because of what Jesus did for me. I was sharing with somebody the other day, I said, you know what? We're so messed up. You know when this place is a church? When we're here. It's the only time it's really the church is when any one of us are here. Any other time, it's just another building. I mean, we set it apart for a service, but it has no specialty about it because we're not here. But we, we hold on to a lot of things about the church. And you heard me say this before, and I close on this. You would say, I would never, I would never, ever smoke or drink in the church. Oh, no, Pastor, this is the church, man. We can't be doing that kind of stuff. We can't be playing the, the boogie-woogie music. We can't be doing all that. Not in the, this is the church. Hmm. Okay, but do you realize, again, Jesus extending the law beyond what we think? Say, guess what? It's no longer a matter of brick and mortar and paint and carpets and pews. You and I are now to be the living tabernacle of God. So that what we would not do in here, we ought not to do in our own personal life. Amen? That's heavy. Because if you and I say we won't do certain things here, but we go home and we do whatever we want, our own little thing, and think it's all right, that's, that's, that's what they call, that's a dichotomy. The two things don't go together. Because God said, wait a minute, you won't do that here, but you're going to do it too. You are now the temple of God. Wow. That covers a lot of things. And I have to check myself and say, well, Lord... I'm thankful that on that point, I have your forgiveness because I understand I'm to be my body, my mind, my heart is to be the temple of God. And if I say I'm not going to defile this place, how can I voluntarily defile this? The two don't go together. A compelling church, a community given by God. God's given us so much and he wants us to be. That community, that light, that city that is what? Set on a hill. Cornerstone. I implore you, I beg you to be that city that's set on this side of the hill of South Ridge in the community of Wilmington. To be that city that's set on a hill that will not and cannot be hidden. That's who we're to be. That, that compelling community. Amen? Father, thank you for your word. We, 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 we admit we have come up short when it comes to 
living for you. We want a feel-good, tingly's running down my spine kind of religion that makes me feel good, but in the end, I don't know any more about God other than God is good. But Lord, we want to be a people that know you, know more about you, and because of the outflow of what we know, what you've done for us, how you have forgiven us, how you have saved us, how you have brought us, when we think about that, we want to come and celebrate who you are. Thank you for allowing us this opportunity. Bless us now as we go further. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.